Our story is one that we read each Sunday this year, but I want you to hear it as if for the first time. This is the story that is sometimes called the birthday of the church. It is a story from the second chapter of the book of Acts. May God bless to us the reading of God's word. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. I want you to remember this from today. The church has no mother tongue but fire. 
Or let me put it another way. The mother tongue of the church is a tongue of fire. Got that? Now let's talk. But first, let's pray. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. Pentecost, it is said in the church, is our birthday. It is, it is said, the birthday of the church. Now, that idea that Pentecost, the event we celebrate and remember today, is the birthday of the church is not in scripture itself. It is part of our tradition. It is an inference from what happens during this grand and great story. But we do know that there is a difference made on this day, even though the followers of Jesus had been gathering since his resurrection until this day and this event we celebrate. But there is a before and there is an after. There is something that happened outside of the disciples' control that made for a great reckoning, that made for a great happening, that led to what we're told is 3,000 converts in a single day that started the whole thing off. Most often, preachers, when they talk about this, focus on the dramatic coming of the Holy Spirit and what it produced and the bold preaching and that sudden conversion of so many after which the church became a thing. But this year, this year I would like to take a step back from that and ask what else this story might tell us about the church that was born that day and about how even you and I might fit into it and be changed by it. So what do I see when I take a little step back and take it all in? Well, let's review the story. Probably about 120, we are told, persons who followed Jesus, who stayed with things after the rumors and experience of resurrection. We're still meeting together for prayer, but they were huddled. They were huddled in a borrowed room, not knowing what was next or what was coming. They had replaced Judas on the little team of elders or apostles, and so there were 12 leaders, and as I said, about 120 followers. And then it happened. Pentecost came. Pentecost, Shavuot, which was the uh, Jewish celebration of God giving the law to Moses in Hebrew scriptures, the event that made the people of Israel God's people. As they gathered to celebrate that event, suddenly a wind came like a train coming through, like a tornado comes through, a wind which was the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God went through that room they were gathering, we are told that fire appeared. Not actual fire, but the Spirit as if fire, 
looking like fire, looking like tongues of fire descending on each person gathered. Might have been just the 12 leaders, but I like to think it was all 120 people who were there. The fire descended upon them, and they all began to speak in languages not their own, sort of like a Presbyterian committee meeting. They began to speak in language not of their own. And this went on for how long, I don't know, but it went on long enough, and it was loud enough, and perhaps the doors got open wide enough, and the people spread far enough out of the room with all of this going on, that people outside began to hear it. And they gathered round, and we were given a long list of everywhere these people were from, Jews from all over the realm who were gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate the holiday, speaking many different languages, gathered around to figure out what in the world was going on. Some thought this was a riot, some thought it was a party, some called the police thinking they were drunk. And then others began to hear the story of God. They began to hear these strangers speaking in their language, speaking from their world and their experience, telling the story of Jesus, not in the language that the people speaking knew, but in the language that they were, of the people they were speaking to heard. We don't know for sure if all of these followers of Jesus spoke all of these languages on that moment. But we know from this story that people heard in their language. There was a speaking and a hearing, a listening and a responding that produced awareness and knowledge, created something out of nothing. And we're told that 3,000 people that day came up and said, what am I to do? to follow this Jesus. Peter preached and people heard. Peter corrected the naysayers and said, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I wonder what they were doing at 5 p.m. It's nine o'clock. This is God at work here. Listen to the story. Now, what do we learn from all of this? Let me try one thing on you. It's the the sentence I used at the very beginning. The church has no mother tongue but fire. The church's mother tongue is a tongue of fire. We are taught in the modern world that we all have a first language that we speak. And then we learn the rest of the world by comparison to our first language, if we learn another language. Think a little beyond just language as in what's spoken in a nation or a region. Think about language metaphorically. Think about all the ways in which we use our perceptions of the world, our language about the world, our categories to interpret the world, to understand the world around us. Think of all the languages that we use to make sense of things. Maybe you're an engineer. You use a certain kind of language. Maybe you're a scientist. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a musician. You use language of many forms, ways of making sense of things that you experience to make sense of things you see outside. 
And yet the modern impulse to say there is one definitive language against all others are compared is not the impulse of Jesus's time or this story. There is no mother tongue. There is no native language in the church. It is not German. It is not English. It is not Swahili. It is not, it is not native, a native language. It is not Spanish. It is not Haitian Creole. It is all of those languages at once. It is all of those ways of seeing the world. It is all of our experiences brought together around a story that is told in the language that we understand, is told in the way we see the world, meets us where we are to take us forward to a new kind of unity that is rooted and celebrates all that each of us brings to it. There has been an impulse throughout all of Christian history to try to centralize this thing we call faith. To try to say there is one way of seeing this story of Jesus and everything else is an adaptation or an aberration. But this story of Pentecost reminds us that there are family resemblances in how the story is told but there is not one single simple way. That there is no central authority, there is no central word, there is no central set of dogma or doctrine, there is a kind of conversation, a listening and a speaking centered by this extraordinary experience of Christ that we experience in the story and we experience through the spirit that we try to make sense of in whatever way we can as we try to keep the fire alive. There is no mother tongue but fire in the church. There is no central institution. The Spirit, when the Spirit came, did not pause and appoint a committee to build a building. The Spirit opened the doors and sent the followers out onto the street to listen and speak and listen and speak in multiple languages, in multiple ways, so that community could be shaped and formed around something that is not finished, but is powered by a dramatic and powerful story. So too, the church, even today. Everything we do, all the liturgy that we share together, the buildings that we build, the programs that we plan, the vacation Bible schools that we organize, everything that we do, the stewardship campaigns to raise the money to do it, the committees shaped to help keep us all responsible at it, the outreach opportunities that we organize to serve those in need around us, the care we provide each other when we are in need or in moments of joy, all of it is organized in shape to light the fire, to blow on the embers, to keep the flame alive, which is the language we speak. If we flip the order, and get it in the opposite way and confuse the means for the end, we risk blowing out the fire of the Spirit. 
if we recognize the end is in the means, the purpose is in what we do, then we blow on the fire and we keep it alive. I was with a, a group recently in conversation with a talented young pastor who was describing her ministry in an urban church in a major city. And this was a fluent, fluently bilingual uh, young pastor who had spent many years, or spent um, some time in Mexico. And she began to do her work in the church, and she said, well, let's, let's, let's start teaching languages here. I'm going to teach Spanish. We have English as a second language classes in the basement of the church for our uh, Spanish-speaking sisters and brothers in our neighborhood. Why aren't we speaking, teaching Spanish to our English-speaking sisters and brothers? And she started teaching Spanish, not as a tool for mission and outreach, but as a way of encountering others, as a way of saying language is the world in which we live. We must know and appreciate and celebrate the language of our neighbors so that we might learn from them and tell our story too. Isn't that an image of the church's mission? Shouldn't we be teaching and learning languages everywhere in every room or the place, not just Spanish or French or German or Swahili, but the ways in which each one of us sees the world, listening carefully to those around us who would have nothing to do with the church, asking what is it that they're saying? What is it that they mean? What is it that they're asking? What do we have to learn from them so that we might also tell our story of freedom and surprise and redemption and empowerment in Christ, that we might tell that story in a way that meets them in their language, in their world, meets them where they are. And so we too might also be met. That is the fire. That is Pentecost. This runs counter to how some have seen the church as primarily a protector and not a giver. This runs counter to some who have seen the church as primarily a speaker and not a listener. This runs counter to some who have seen the church as primarily a caregiver and a pleaser and not a motivator and a challenger. But this runs right alongside some who have been blessed to see the church as the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, saw it on its birthday, and folks from Carefree and Phoenix and Scottsdale and Seattle even, and those who speak that strange language that comes from Minneapolis. <laughs> what we have all seen and we have all heard as hearers and tellers of the story of Christ, to light a fire in the hearts of any and all who can hear, even us, Amen.